We've had some tough economic conditions throughout 2023. From the rising cost of living, a rental crisis, rapidly increasing interest rates, seemingly endless talk of recessions, and in recent weeks, banking collapses in America and Switzerland. Just when you're looking at buying a home, what does it all mean for you? Welcome to your first home buyer guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy a workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Today, we're talking about whether or not the economic doom and gloom is going to impact the property market here in Australia and whether you should put your search on hold or keep soldiering on. But before we get into that, there's a particularly interesting house in the video behind uh, Megan this week. It looks like a vertebrae. What the (laughs) hell? (laughs) This is the seashell house in Cancun. Now, interesting, it does look a little bit like that, but Pretty, I think, beautifully done if you're into interesting, unique houses. And the interior is also highly customised to the seashell theme. It's uh, We did do one some time ago, a property down in Cronulla, that yes. uh, is a seashell theme that I loved. But I have to say I like still like the Cronulla one more than this one. <laughs> it's very uh, white for those who are, uh, are listening. Extraordinarily <laughs> white. Now, um, check it out in the video. So jump into YouTube. We record all of these in video if you want to see our faces as well as our, <laughs> listen to our dulcet tones. All righty, let's get stuck into this topic. This is a big one, Veronica. In, you know, in March 2023, there were some bank collapses in the US and we saw some headlines suggesting that there could be another GFC type episode coming up. So in this episode, we're not going to get into the nitty gritty of what happened and whether this spells disaster for the global economy. And spoiler alert, we don't think it is the same as the GFC because the drivers are significantly different. Um, But what we are going to talk about is how property markets recover aftershocks. Yeah. And our aim is to help you retain a long-term perspective and feel less panicked in the short term. And, And that's sort of how it feels at the moment. I think people are really, really concerned and they feel like, oh, God, I need to sell. Oh, God, I shouldn't buy. Oh, God, what are interest rates doing? So let's jump into it. Yeah. And and I will also preface before we go into this, this is one of the benefits of, you know, listening to two women are old enough to be a mum. 
um, is that we've been around, you know, around the, the merry-go-round a few times. We've, this is not our first rodeo. How many other cliches can I can I pull out here? Um, and so every time that there's a fall, a, sh- a shock to the system, you know, it, it's tempting to think, shit, this is it. This is It's never going to be the same again. And I know I felt that back in 2001, right, the uh, 9-11, you know, the, the Twin Towers got belted, uh, de- demolished. I remember watching the second one collapse, you know, on television, obviously not there. I was not in, in New York. I think everybody remembers where Moment they were. Moment in time, we'll never forget. Oh, awful. It, and, you know, for me personally, I'd been in real estate about 18 months at that point of time, and I'm just starting to hit my strides. I was just starting to, you know, this is, this is good. I'm doing well here. And I sat there thinking, oh, that's it. That's it. It's all over. Like, basically, I'm never going to do well. Like, I mean, you know, I can look back now and think that's sort of crazy, catastrophic thinking. But even even with the GFC hit in uh, 2008, at that time, I was in my visiting my friend in Hong Kong. I'd been in the middle of an eight-week holiday overseas. You think I'd be having a great old time. And I was having a great old time. And I'm sitting there thinking... My, you know, my buyer's agent's business had been, actually, I hadn't actually launched my buyer's agency business. I, at that point, I was working for somebody else and I'm thinking, that's it. I'm, I, that's, it's all over, you know? Yeah. And, but do you remember what mm. happened after those two events, Veronica? Yes. And this is what we we're had here to the, talk about. We had the <laughs> biggest boom uh, and, and then the next biggest boom is actually the one that we just had recently. But in 2002, 2003, that was Brisbane's biggest property boom. Mm. Wow. It was pretty big here too in Sydney um, and obviously Melbourne and the rest of the country experienced some pretty big. And I think what we're trying to say here is that it's human nature when something bad happens, something big happens, and particularly when there's a lot of negative press around and a lot of fear, a lot of fear just generally. It is human nature to think, oh my God, all good times are over, never going to come back. However, it's not... It never. Ha- it actually is never the end. No, no. no. And, and the drivers are still there. People need a house. They need a roof over their head. That doesn't change. Yeah. So look, we are not, you know, in that camp of oh, but property always goes up in value, and you can always do really well. And don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is having that longer lens, always making good decisions around your property, but not knee jerking because of these these short term things. Because in the whole long scheme of your life. These will be blips in the way that 9-11 for us was a blip, obviously, for those personally affected, not a blip. Um, GFC, the same deal. For us, really a blip. The longer the lens you've got, the more of a blip it was for most people, not everybody. Um, yep, certainly, most recently, most recently, the, the market catastrophe that was COVID. I mean, how many economists predicted 30 plus percent falls in property prices, but what actually happened? We had another boom. So we're seeing a pattern here. Yeah. Well, the pattern isn't so much that, oh, my God, after every catastrophe, there's a boom. That's not what we're telling you to expect. What we're trying to tell you is that it's not a one-way ticket. It doesn't always go down or one-direction ticket. It doesn't always go down. It doesn't always go up either. It will go up. It'll go down again. Then it'll go up. It'll go down again. And so it's just remembering that this is all part of one big cycle that we individually got no control over. But of course, before COVID, with all those dire predictions, we had the GFC and that was a doozy. Do you remember it, Megan? 
I really do. And and my, my buyer's agency was about five years old when, when that happened. And it was a really difficult time. Um, it was a very difficult time in property. It was a very difficult time in business. It was a very difficult time as an employee. It was a very difficult time for a lot of people. And it was the uncertainty. And the, the, the first time that we had really experienced such an impact from a global event that we really didn't think that we in Australia had any control over. And a lot, a lot of people really couldn't understand why the impact was so great on us here down in Australia. Um, and, and to a degree, I think there are uh, you know, some analysts who believe that Australia probably weathered that reasonably well because we're so far removed from, from other places. But largely it was because of the legislation and the, the environment was really different in each of those countries. So each of those countries reacted and responded and, and the impact was quite different. But it was such a difficult time. I, I had no idea if I was going to come out of the other side of that with a company, with a house, with investment properties. I had no idea what that was going to play out like. We just hadn't seen it before. It was unprecedented. No, and I think we've had that, which was unprecedented. We've had COVID that was unprecedented. Now we've got this sort of crazy inflationary environment, you know, more wars and whatever, unprecedented. I think we should get used to unprecedented events. And, and so it's about getting used to li living with uncertainty. Um, and, you know, some people do lose out, but they are often the people that took huge risks, huge risks. They are also the people that knee-jerk. So let me tell you a little story about some friends of mine who bailed in panic out of Sydney um, as a consequence of the GFC. Now, in the, the Sydney property market um, really was, there was like three months of what I would call a buyer's market. That was it. And 2009 came and it bounced back. And in fact, I started my business at the beginning of 2009, not because of the GSC, don't get me wrong. I actually, well, in in some, well, I actually probably can't go into it now exactly why I started my business, but in some ways it was a reaction to the GSC because other people who had taken risks did lose out, but I hadn't taken risks, right? So, but look, I have friends who, who got out of the Sydney market um, at the end of 20, 2008 and they basically were like going, well, that's it. Price is never going to be this good again. And we want to move up to Byron Bay. And so we're going to we're gonna get out right now. It's like catching a falling knife before it gets really bad. We're getting out right now. And and we're going to get out of here because like this is just going to, it's going to end in tears, going to be doom and gloom. I'm like, that's nuts. You know, anyway, they did mad rush. They, they went up to Byron. They bought up there. Then they didn't take them long to realize they couldn't afford to buy back into Sydney if they wanted to come back. Their son at the time was very young and they did entertain the idea about when he was going into high school, like, oh, maybe maybe we need to think about going back to Sydney. They couldn't afford to come back, right? Now, even though they went to Byron, which is relative, quite a lucrative, obviously, area, but it's it, it had a lot, a, long, a lot of time in the doldrums. It's a highly cyclical market. It has incredible highs and very, very big lows. Yes. And so they were in the doldrums while Sydney property prices were going up. And this is the early noughties. No, the early teens. Anyway, but th the point being, they knee-jerked, got out, because after initial dip in prices, things got back to normal in Sydney. And then we had a boom and another bust and time fundamentally. Normal doesn't last very long, does no. it? No. You know, that balanced kind of market where there's a good supply of properties, there's a good amount of buyers. Prices seem reasonably steady. You know, that's what we kind of call a, a normal market, but it's it's almost like you blink and you go, oh, okay, it's changed again. <laughs> We're back on the roller coaster. 
So in good locations, there was some short-term price volatility, right? Um, but as soon as prices stabilised, each suburb has actually enjoyed substantial long-term growth. And the downturn was a lot shorter than the subsequent upswing. You can certainly see that in price graphs. You know, I'm, I'm not a big statistician. I, I look at more, you know, much more granular le- level stuff when I'm, I'm looking at property. But the, the things that impact it are certainly at a macro level. But if you look at price graphs of capital cities over the long term, over say 40 years, um, what you've said is really substantiated because whilst, a, whilst we might see a run of prices going up, there'll be a bit of a fall perhaps in some markets due to some circumstances. But then when it runs again, it certainly runs well past the previous high. And I think that's really one of the important things that we want to make sure people understand here is prices don't go up and down to a, a zero point. And if you look over 40 years, you know, there's been about 500% growth over 40 years in the, the, the property market in almost all, all capital cities and regional locations. The things don't go back below and, and not stay. They, they continue to, to rise. And this is why we talk about good locations, though, because what we will do is I'm going to throw in an exception to that rule. Now, Megan, you will remember early in the teens, so 13 11 years ago, there was a big mining boom. And now we're not, this podcast is not targeted at investors, right? You guys are first home buyers, but it pay to just think and maybe learn about this. So there were all these investors who were talking up the mining towns big time. And there are a lot of um, property spruikers out there talking up those mining towns too. Uh, property spruikers selling really ordinary houses in these mining towns, which has got one industry, one employer, and then when and also a lot of the um, the workers in some of these places were there for building the infrastructure. Once that infrastructure is built, they don't need that many houses anymore. And some of those areas, um, they boomed crazy growth in such a short period of time and huge rental returns. And there's all this money, every dollar signs everywhere, right? A lot of people, and as what ha- often happens with investors, they pile into these um, these scenarios late in the day. The people that get in late are always the people that lose the most amount of money. And when they peaked, those prices plummeted. In many of those towns, the, the price ended up at the bottom, ended up lower than where they started. Yeah, and, and the rental yields just dissolved overnight too. Uh, so particularly, yeah, there's no one there to rent these places. And and people were spending you know, upwards of five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars on what are called dongers. They're not even permanent houses. It's like a shipping container. Pretty much. You know, they're they're relocatable, basically, houses. Um, and they were they were doing it for the rental yield with no eye on the long term viability of that property market in that location. So the quality of those assets that were being being purchased were quite poor. And of course, we talk about things like scarcity. Well, it felt like housing was scarce in those areas at the time, but people weren't paying attention to the transient nature of, of what was actually happening. And when mining towns changed their their policies from housing people on site to FIFO, the fly-in, fly-out um, workers, then the families stopped being there. So large, like, a lot of communities actually collapsed without the families being in the, these regional locations. There's all of these sorts of factors that just don't point to a good solid set of investment fundamentals in a location. 
yield is not the reason to purchase a long-term investment. And that's what property is. It's a long-term investment. And, and having a, a high amount of demand for a very short period of time, it just didn't cut it from an investment point of view. It just, it smelt so bad to start with. I don't know how many people, you know, really got hoodwinked into buying into these places. And to this day, probably their property is still worth well less than what they paid for it. Yeah. So that's another classic example of short-term thinking when it comes to property. So that's short-term thinking greed. What we're talking about is short-term thinking fear. You know, so so there's, you know, knee-jerking around all the sort of the global economic events that are causing fear. We've got to sort of get be clear-eyed and, and, and this is why we always go on about good locations, where you want to live, where other people want to live, where there's not a, where there's there's not an oversupply of stock, where you're buying a property that is, you know, it's appealing to a wide range of buyers. All these fundamentals, that's why they, they're so important because these markets will have these little shocks up and down unless you're going for some crazy market like you're trying to make money, like like the mining town investors were. But the point we're trying to say here is, is you can lose money in property. We are not property people who go, yeah, it, what you look, just just get in, just get, get in. in at That's all costs. not our message. Definitely not our message. Definitely not the message. Don't just buy anything just to get into the market because it can put you so far back, so far behind, and take up so much of your resources. True. But if you want to and or need a home to live in, our advice is to keep actively looking for the right property. Because as we know only too well, it's not easy to find the right place. And good property, that's why we do that caveat, good property is always scarce. And there's also a noticeable reduction in stock levels over the past, say, a year to 18 months. And we have not seen a flood of distress listing, uh, uh, distress listings. Um, that is people that are forced to sell, right, with interest rate rises. It just hasn't happened. Not in good locations. No. And we're not talking blue chip suburbs we're not talking you know the highest end of the market that's that's not a necessarily a good location a good location can be affordable it can be well within a first home buyer range but it has good fundamentals and even though this is a home to live in you're looking for your first home to live in some people are rent vesting but by and large um, people who listen to this podcast are looking for their first home to live in and, and and some of it is driven by where your work is. Some of it's driven by where your family is. Some of it's driven by you know the lifestyle factors that you want. But you can still look at a home with an investment fundamental lens overlay so that you're making a good decision about the quality of the location. If you can buy something in one area that is a poor quality location for a similar price or maybe might spend a little bit more to be in a better location that has good fundamentals, then the decision should always be the better location if your budget can stretch to that and if that's within your your financial capabilities. That's the thing. I mean, it is really about focusing on buying the best possible asset that you can buy. And, you know, if we go back to before the GFC, we just talked about the GFC and, I, and I've actually got case studies of people that bought in at that time when, when my friends bailed and panicked, other people bailed and panicked too. And then within 18 months, the, a lot of these people uh, some people actually deliberately went to make money at that time, buying really good assets in that very small window of opportunity. And then they unsold within about 18 months and made huge gains, like well above ex you know what you would normally expect over such a short period of time. And because then the they people would have a financial um, capability and, and a high so. risk profile. 
No, we're not. We're not suggesting that you use property as a um, a gambling tool. Essentially, you've, no. You've got to be prepared. You've got to be prepared and able to lose it if it doesn't go in your favour. One hundred percent. But what I'm talking about here, the case studies I did were people that actually chose really good assets at that time. So they weren't running around trying to buy, you know, below market value and buy distressed listings. They actually only bought really good quality. Focused property. on the quality. Yeah, and so they're the ones that did, did very well from it, right? And obviously. Before the GFC, there was that big shock of 9-11, as I mentioned. Now, I recall thinking, oh, my God, things are going to be the same again. I was a sales agent at the time. And so we're, if anyone can't remember, it's September 2001. And up to that point, September 11, I had a 100% auction clearance rate. I had sold every single listing that I'd had at or before auction that year. That's how hot the year was. And I had my first auction pass in on the following Saturday, which was the 15th of September. I remember these dates, right? But it does pay to remember that the market came back from that too. And so we are really seeking to reassure you that if the property is right, the time is right, as long as you have a secure job and the borrowing strategy, the factors in buffers, and you'll be right. And when fear takes hold, smart, sane people fall for catastrophic thinking. You're people who normally would look at things with, with a, a really smart, intelligent lens of media, the people around them, people get really worked up and, and fall into that way of thinking, you know, that's it. Now the market's going to plummet 40%. We've seen those sorts of headlines and, and you know, people, statisticians and, and economists have put those sorts of headlines out. But usually when they do that, what's not reported is there's some fairly serious assumptions that sit below that, that sort of forecast of 40% falls. You know, the whole thing has to go catastrophically wrong. But property bears have been trotting this figure out whenever there's been a bad sign for the last couple of decades. But things have never actually panned out that way. People need homes. We're not talking about the stock market where you can choose to or not to participate in that. We're talking about homes. (laughs) Crypto, you can choose to or not to participate in that one. You're investing in an idea and nobody really needs crypto. You know, nobody really knows what it is, right? Exactly. (laughs) People need homes. They need roofs over their head. Life as we know it might change. Our circumstances might change. Our our economic wealth at any point in time can change. But it will go on and people will need a house and you will need somewhere to live. And the house of mum and dad, sometimes that, you know, that can only last so long before relationships need to take over from practicality and you need to find your own place. You want to feel like a grown-up. So this too will end. And then what, right? Will you be any closer to buying the home you want? So nobody knows what will happen, but we can guarantee if you sit on your hands, you won't be ready to act when things do go back to normal. Yeah, and if prices dive... Will you be ready to strike? Have you done that that work that you need to do? If low stock levels result in price rises, will you chase the market because you're not ready? Whatever happens, being ready is smart. You know, I love that saying um, that you know, luck is where opportunity meets preparedness. And, you know, that's your job to prepare yourself for when the circumstances are right for you not when the market is right for you. Um, Those who aren't ready, they will never have options or they will make a knee-jerk reaction kind of decision and possibly buy a really poor quality property. That's the thing. And what we always have to remember is we can't control the market, but we can control what we do. 
And so that's by focusing on our immediate circumstances, our situation and us being ready, then you can take advantage of those options that you will have available to you because you are ready. In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.